We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Member FDIC, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us here today. My name is Kent Swanson, and we are really excited to be getting going a little bit more normal here in the laboratory here on KC Sports Network. So excited. Going to be doing more consistent shows here in June. Got a little bit of time in May, and now we're kind of full steam ahead. So thank you for watching on YouTube, listening, wherever you listen to podcasts. Appreciate you all. And uh, we got a lot to talk about today. And here to help me do it are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. How are you doing, my dear pal? I'm doing good. I'm glad we're getting back in the swing of things. You know, it kind of feels different sitting here now watching Kent, you know, knowing that you guys are going to be watching him during this entire introduction. So, you know, it's something to get used to here. Like all of this, Kent is now live to everybody in video format when he's given this intro and Craig and I are trying not to laugh from whatever we were talking about, you know, pre-show when we started recording. And oh, I guess I could bring him in. Craig Stout is also here with us. You can see him on the video as well with his very handsome, very, very well-kept beard. Craig, how are you doing today, buddy? It's not all that well-kept. It's not as well-kept as Kent's was last week when he unfortunately missed the podcast and we showed just a picture of him. It was a perfect beard. Perfect. But we are back. We have regular content for you again. It's going to be twice a week, starting from now all the way to the season. And then you are going to be getting more episodes. There's also going to be an episode of one-on-one this week with Jeff Allen and Mike DeVito. It's going to be a good week. We are going to really ramp things up in earnest. But from our point of view, we get to talk Chiefs with you again twice a week. You all can get sick of us once again. So we're really looking forward to it. We've been missing you guys. We've been missing the interaction and talking more Chiefs. So let's get on with the show. Hey, Craig, can can't they also catch and see or tune in and see you live tomorrow explaining or later today on Wednesday explaining football to them on a very deep level? I wouldn't say a very deep level, but yes, we do have another Facebook film room coming up. I know that some people are not on Facebook. I get it. I understand. This is a way for us to get stuff out initially. There will be a, it will adapt as we go forward here. But if you go to the KCSN Facebook page, KC Sports Network on Facebook at 8 p.m. Central on Wednesday, June 2nd, 
I'm going to be talking about GT counter and Oklahoma's usage of it, talking about some RPOs, talking about some different looks, some things that we might see for the Chiefs with their new offensive line. So be on the lookout for that if you are interested in offensive line play, which I think we all are after watching the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> also, uh, make sure you are subscribing to the Substack because there's some big announcements happening here in June kcsn.substack.com uh make sure you, you you sign up you'll get a lot of updates on some really cool things that are happening you're going to get some free content that's going to be going out there uh, a lot of good stuff i want to say something really quick before we get into what we're talking about today guys i this is partially just me explaining how excited i am to be on a more consistent schedule now last week i i forgot to take out the trash and my my garage smelled horrendous. And it's because normally on podcast night, I remember right before to take the trash out. That's why you're this... always late. <laughs> that was this man, is all the dots are connecting now. I see it. Give me a break. My kid's birthday was this week. But uh but yeah, no, it just like I, I've had this like routine and part of my routine was taking the trash out before my trash. I was getting all my bad takes out right before the show started and I still don't have much of an excuse. Okay. Some, some, some will argue that. Yeah, some, no, I'd, several. I, Maddie will definitely argue that. <laughs> um, I would never <laughs> argue. Ever. <laughs> we, uh, we got a fun show. So last year we did a... Uh, a game by game preview of the season. It's something we really like doing. Maddie, as Max, it was all Maddie's idea. Uh, and we rolled with it. It was a very good idea. So we're going to do the same thing. Kind of, it's a, it's a high level view of a lot of different things about the teams that the Chiefs are going to be playing. We go in order. Uh, so we're going to start with week one, the Cleveland Browns. And we start with this. We let's talk about the quality of this roster that the Cleveland Browns have, Craig. I mean, I think that. When you talk about Cleveland, you are talking about the new additions, the guys returning, and all of a sudden you've got the national media blowing them up as one of the more talented rosters in the NFL. It's kind of hard to argue that. They've got a lot of really good young players throughout the entirety of this roster. And yes, they were decimated by injuries last year, but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden they're going to be, you know, really deprived of anybody. It looks like they're getting everybody back. I really like what they've built in Cleveland. You know, it's led by Baker Mayfield. That's really the biggest question mark on this team. I think yeah. that if Baker Mayfield plays well, this team can go really far because they are a very talented bunch on both sides of the ball. But, you know, you, you look at this receiving core, you got Odell Beckham Jr., you got Jarvis Landry, you've got good, a really, really good rushing attack with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. On the defensive side of the ball, you've got arguably the best pass rusher in the NFL and Miles Garrett, and a really, really talented secondary that is getting all of those pieces back and have added some new ones. So, I do think that the quality of this roster starting out week one, I mean, the Chiefs, I'm going to say it, have the best roster in the NFL because of Patrick LeVon, Mahomes, and, you know, the rest of the pieces. But this is right up there. It's in an upper tier in the NFL. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this. 
I think the Browns roster is just kind of in an interesting spot because like Craig went through there, there's a lot of talented players here. They have guys that hit the high end. They have guys that fill out the middle. Like they have a relatively complete roster when you start looking through it, but you always come back to what is the big sticking point in the NFL anymore. And that's quarterback Baker Mayfield. He's had some good plays. He's had some bad games. We've seen him play good and bad. It's just, what are you getting from Mayfield on a day in and day out basis? And that's really what the Browns roster comes down to. I would even go as far as him. This his connection with Odell Beckham Jr. has never really materialized to be something consistent. So as talented as they both may be, they haven't meshed particularly well together. So it looks great on paper, but once the game starts, I don't think those two guys are always working as good. And then when you flip sides to the defensive side of the ball, that linebacker room would scare me. We talk a lot about the Chiefs linebackers not being great. The Browns linebackers might be a step below that. They added Anthony Walker, who might come back later up as a new addition, but he's their best linebacker bar none, and I would think that he's not quite up to Anthony Hitchens' level. And then after that, there's just not the talent, the young guys coming in that the Chiefs have brought in. So just a good comparison point. That second level is kind of scary. I mean, <laughs> you're you're going to do my man Sione Takitaki like that, aren't you, Maddie? Look at well, that. Well, there's, okay, a little, there's a little, there's a little Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa shade going go out with. there too. No, no, no. no he's a, a safety. safety. He's going into their secondary. That's not, that's not shade. That is where he's going to no, play in the NFL said. because he is not a linebacker. He never was a linebacker. Anybody that said he was a linebacker was wrong. He was a safety through and through from day one. That's where he got drafted. That goes into a talented young secondary who most of them haven't really proven much at all in the NFL. So there's a lot of talent there but they do got to kind of wrap it all together. I think that's a point that could become potential strength. But right now, it's just pretty much Denzel Ward and John Johnson and a giant unknown after those guys. Talented, but unknown. They, they've, they've, they're they in a unique situation, I think, the Cleveland Browns are, is because they, they went through a collection of talent phase with John Dorsey, where he was just trying to cobble up and grab you know any player at, at, a, at a discount. So... Yeah, we're going to take Mac Wilson in the fifth round, for instance, at the linebacker position. They're going to go and take some really aggressive swings. They're not really going to be, um, you know, afraid of of much character or anything. I think, you know, I think the front office has done a good job in Cleveland of more team building approach. I think they've done a really good job of building this team around Baker Mayfield. They don't know if Baker Mayfield's the guy yet, I don't think, because he doesn't have an extension yet. But I think this, I mean, make no mistake about it. This football team is a playoff team, a, a very clear oh, yeah. and obvious playoff team. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just Baker Mayfield is the one that determines the ceiling of this team, if they are a legitimate contender or not, because everything else around Baker Mayfield is 100% ready to go out and be one of the best best teams in the AFC, bar none. And it is, you know, it's sometimes I feel like we had this conversation a lot last time we had this this exercise. It always comes down to the quarterback. Some teams do a better job of building around their quarterbacks. And and I think the Browns are one of the teams that really have, you know, and, and deserve, you know, some credit for how that they have built this thing. So um, and I think you got to talk about the quality of staff, too. That's another thing that we always talk about in these game previews. And Kevin Stefanski deserves a lot of credit for what he's done one year into this gig, uh, Maddie. 
Yeah, Stefanski's done a great job kind of getting this team an identity and getting them a path to where they're going. I think you can look back a couple years before he got there, and yeah, the Browns had some talent. There was some good players on the roster, but once he came in, he gave them a direction that they needed to trend to, and he's got them there. And I think he's made some good hires along the way. I'd say Bill Callahan, their offensive line coach, might be the best offensive line coach going in the NFL right now. And that's how they're able to just consistently cycle in talented players, but new guys to this offensive line unit and still produce one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. That protects Baker Mayfield. So does Stefanski Steam. They've done a lot to protect Baker Mayfield through their staff hirings, the way the team is designed, but they've done a good job bringing these guys in. They've done a good job surrounding the players that were there when he took over. So I have to give Stefanski two thumbs up for what his the job he's done since he's been there. Yeah, that, I mean, Stefanski has done a phenomenal job and at a hire that some people had some questions about, you know, uh, you know, was a, a GM that was looking favorably upon another coach, you know, really kind of trying to shepherd him into that role. And he he really has done a great job with that. And like Maddie said, Bill Callahan is awesome. That offensive line has absolutely hit their ceilings each and every year that's why you see their run game be as effective as they are that's why you see teams having to overcommit to play action passes and why baker mayfield succeeds so often with those play action passing game because the linebackers in that second level really have to play downhill to beat that offensive line the eye is going to be on joe woods and that defense the talent's mm-hmm. there if he can come out here and he can really produce at a high level, I think that that's going to take them a long ways. I think that that's really where the onus on everything was. It was pretty decent last year at times when they had some players healthy, but obviously they ran into a big buzzsaw there in the playoffs against the Chiefs and eventually Chad Henney. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it is – I just had to get that little needle you had right to. up in there. Had I to. Get it. Had to. But I mean, like he—he's really got to be the guy. He's got to be the one that makes the big step up because the offensive side of the ball is pretty well taken care of from the coaching staff. I do want to say that the guy that I think is probably the most important might be Jeff Howard. That's their defensive backs coach. They have a ton of young guys in that secondary. A ton of guys without a ton of without a lot of NFL experience and all the talent in the world. So. He's got to be the guy to unlock those guys. He's got to be the ones that can really trigger and transform those kind of guys the way that we've seen Sam Madison do it in Kansas City. Well, and that is, I mean, that was one of the emphasis this year, I think, and a credit to Andrew Barry is focusing on maybe securing uh, that secondary because I don't think they had the horses last year or the horse healthy entirely. The depth was very much tested and it failed. And so they went out and they made some, you know, some, acquisitions that one or two of them might pop up here in a second um, when we talk more about uh, the new additions to this roster. But I think that is, you know, you know, Joe Woods has been given a, uh, a, a, a bunch of stock shelves at, at every level. Well, at, at, at mostly every level, I think, I think there's yeah. more promise than Maddie wants to say at linebacker, but Whom? I get why he would say that. Tony, I don't hate Anthony Walker. I don't hate Anthony Walker. I don't hate Sione Taki Taki. I don't hate I actually Jacob really Phillips. Like, I actually really like Jacob Phillips as well. They're just but, young. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they're, they're young and Anthony Walker. 
Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, take that, Maddie. I would like to see one of them cover me on an out route because I don't oh, think any listen. single one of them have. Here we go. Listen, again. we're Chiefs fans. Linebackers don't cover. We don't Lineback- you you could fun fact, you could win a Super Bowl without linebackers coveraging, uh covering. New additions to the Cleveland Browns, some fresh faces there uh, all over that team. Give me one that you like, Craig. Uh I'm speaking of coverage. We're gonna go with Greg Newsome. Uh, oh, Greg now Newsome. coverage matters. Well, <laughs> it matters for <laughs> cornerbacks. Unlike the Chiefs, the Browns have invested fairly heavily in the cornerback position and really tried to address their secondary. Greg Newsom is the newest addition to that. Newsom is going to be a feisty player that fits really, really well in that scheme. He's a longer guy. He's got good ball skills. He does everything just well. And opposite of Denzel Ward, I think that if he can take that step immediately, which is really tough coming, I mean, he did play in the Big Ten, and that that's a level of competition that is good, but you are taking a big step up in the passing game from what the Big Ten was bringing out there. If he can do that, all of a sudden you've got guys on the outside that can play at a high level with Grant Delpit, and Johnson in the middle of the field, now all of a sudden you've got kind of a dome over that defense. That makes you really good. So the question mark, I know a lot of people are focused on Delpit, but if Newsom can come in and hit the ground running, all of a sudden that secondary can, like Kent said, they, they didn't have the horses last year. All of a sudden they might have the horses to run with some of the AFC's top teams, not necessarily the Chiefs. Well, if 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 their if I mean, their secondary's got to hold up if they're going to get to what they actually want, you know, yeah. is, is is that is that is that uh, AFC championship? And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna Maddie answer this, and I'm just gonna talk about a couple Rams because they went out and addressed uh, the secondary with a couple of uh, Los Angeles Rams secondary players. Troy Hill is probably gonna play inside in the slot uh, for them. He got not insignificant money 4.5 million dollars to come in and play they're just continuing to bolster their second day but they also they went out and spent a little bit with john johnson he's getting 11.25 million dollar apy on his contract and just continuing to add to that secondary grant delpit's had some injury issues um you know they've i mean they've had i mean it's not like they've got talent they've had talent in the past they've insulated it with veterans that have been able to play uh, been able to play at a consistent level, been able to be available. And I think that's one of the things, I mean, Denzel Ward, I mean, some of the, some of the guys in their second day, they've just had a lot of depth issues. So they've continued to really focus and invest with the Newsom's and Troy Hill and, and, and now John Johnson, I'll add into the mix, really just trying to bolster that group. And they've really given themselves a lot of quality bodies there. For me, I'm looking at kind of one of the guys that they lost. So they lost Larry Ogunjobi to free agency they brought in Malik Jackson to replace him. It's been a couple years since Malik Jackson has been a force, but at one point in time, he was a very prominent interior pass rusher. Right now, I believe he's kind of slated to be behind Jordan Elliott, a second-year player that a lot of Chiefs fans are going to remember from Missouri. But I think he's a guy that should see the field on passing downs, whether it's next to Elliott in place of him. And he could just be a guy that's going to add that second or third pass rusher to the Jadavion Clowney, the Miles Garrett tandem on the outside. They need someone to come in, fill up some of that air space on the middle of the field, 
get some interior pressure. He's the guy who I think that weight's going to fall squarely on his shoulders. And that's, what's going to make their defense go is if they have someone to compliment Garrett a little bit better than they had down the stretch last year. All right. Players to watch. This is always a really fun one and I'm going to kick it off. And this is sound. This is going to sound so lame. Who really miles Garrett. I really am excited to watch Miles Garrett. And if you don't know why, if he's lined up over in uh, Orlando Brown, I'm very fascinated to see that matchup. This is the, this is our presentation of, uh, of Orlando Brown to Kansas city. So if Miles Garrett's lining up over there at all, I want to see them matching up. I want to see how Orlando Brown holds up because Orlando Brown, uh, the Chiefs spent a little bit of, of gap of capital to to acquire this man they're potentially going to have to pay him here in a year and they've got a season to really find out more about him and so i uh i really want to watch this matchup and i want to see how the potential future franchise left tackle a guy who has endeared himself to kansas city in a very short amount of time a guy i am very much rooting for and first of all i don't have great orlando brown takes out there from from draft season like he's definitely <laughs> proven me wrong uh but this man i'm fascinated to see how the orlando brown experiment and i believe that good things will happen and i'm i'm pretty optimistic about this guy becoming the left tackle of the future it starts with a massive test with miles garrett yeah i'm going opposite of him to jadavian Clowney as a player <laughs> to watch um I don't, you know, I'm not one of these guys that's going to be banging the table and say that the Browns really got this huge, massive steal with Jadavian Clowney, but that doesn't mean that he's a a poor player. Like, he's still a really good edge, and he's going to complement Miles Garrett really, really, really well. Now, it remains to be seen if he will ever really capture the lightning in the bottle that we've seen the flashes of that haven't translated to the sacks throughout his career so far, but he's in the best chance to do it along this defensive line, along with, you know, everything that they've got going here. I bet the Browns are going to score plenty of points. So he's going to get ample opportunities to rush the passer. So with that in mind, I think that Jadavian Clowney with all the focus on miles Garrett is going to see more advantageous matchups. It's if he can take advantage of that, he's got tack McKinley behind him. So it's not like they've got a guy behind him that can't rush the passer. So I wonder how short the leash will be for Jadavian Clowney as an edge rusher. I'm just very curious to see, because I think this is the best position for him that we've seen yet. I'm incredibly tempted to start drawing parallels between Anthony Hitchens coming to the Chiefs and Anthony Walker going to the Browns <laughs> just so we can put it to rest how not good their linebacker group is after earlier. But I won't. Instead, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit. Baker Mayfield. This team goes as far as Baker Mayfield takes them. I feel like the Browns are kind of creeping up to that territory where the Buffalo Bills were last offseason to where you can see the talent on the roster if their quarterback all of a sudden makes that final step, if that quarterback becomes this fringe or true MVP candidate, they're going to be a real team that matters. If he doesn't, if he continues to need to be protected on a game in game out basis, if he's going to come out and be inconsistent when the, all the pressures on him and not on, he's getting these free play action passes is the only time he's operating. Well, if that's the case, 
They're going to continue to be an early out in the playoffs like they have been, like they were last year. So it's on Baker Mayfield. What kind of step is he taking with Stefanski now? And it actually looks like Craig's bursting at the seams to get back in here. I am. I really am. Okay, so I'm going to put this to you guys, both of you here. And I need just a short answer. I'm going to ask you two questions. Is this a game? Are you? It's a are, game. Is this, is this Craig's trading Wait a second. No, no. You cannot step on Youthful Regis's toes. I like am this. not Youthful Regis. <laughs> I will never be Youthful Regis. Never, ever, ever. But I'm going to pose to each of you a question here. I want you to give me just a short answer. And I got a second one. Question number one. Maddie, the Browns will beat the Chiefs if... If Chad Haney has to play, nope, that won't work either. They won't. <laughs> Such a Matty answer. He's right. Kent, that was Kent, where I was do, going. Do, do you have a realistic answer, though? Is there anything that you believe that the Browns can line up and do to realistically beat the Chiefs? I mean, Baker's got to play above his head. I mean the you know the the play action games work and the run games working. The Chiefs don't have an answer to stop anything, and Baker plays above his head and gives them a chance. And I mean, if it turns into a, sh- I mean, this team has enough pi- firepower that you know if Baker Mayfield doesn't make one or two of those critical mistakes, he's he's he can he can he can win in a shootout, and that's that could that could happen. Okay. So- Maddie? Can I come back in with another answer real quick? Yes. Yeah, I just want yes, to say you can give a real one. The Chiefs offensive line is going to be a work in progress week one. Mm. If you want to put Miles yeah. Garrett over Mike Rimmers at offensive tackle, who I know Chiefs fans have fond memories of playing right tackle last year. I just want to be very clear. Mike Rimmers was a passable tackle last year, I believe. That's what it looked like to me. And I don't think I'd ever seen the Chiefs give so much help to an offensive tackle that Mike Rimmers got last year. So if the Browns want to slap Miles Garrett, over Rimmers for the entire game, attack that right guard as well. That's where I think you can maybe have success and really shut down the Chiefs offense. Okay, second question real quick here. Who is the player that the Chiefs have that wins this game for them not named Patrick Mahomes? Kent, go first. Uh, Let's go with... Let's go with Chris Jones. Quick interior pressure, uh, shooting some gaps, uh, and you know, getting that quick. I don't think Baker is going to respond well to quick pressure. I don't think Baker responds well to pressure. And if he has to get too creative, I think that's when bad things happen. So Chris Jones creating quick interior pressure. Addy? Travis Kelsey, because that awful linebacker group's trying to cover him. <laughs> I just wanted to give you the opportunity to really windmill dunk on that linebacker corpse again. I, I'm going to give round one to Kent. We'll, we'll see what happens with the, with the Ravens here at the end of this. We'll, we'll see. Take that. Take that, Matthew. Uh, <laughs> week two, speaking of the Baltimore Ravens, the Chiefs travel to Baltimore uh, to play the Ravens. And we're going to get worse. This is kind of the format. Just so you guys know, we're going to do two a week. And so you, we got to you know, talk a little bit here about Cleveland. Now we're going to go ahead and talk about the, the Baltimore Ravens now. And the quality of this roster, Craig, what do you think? I mean, it's obviously a step down from the overall quality of the roster of the Browns. I do think that the Ravens have some 
really good players. I know everybody wants to dunk on Lamar as a passer, but he is a very dynamic player. He is a matchup problem, not necessarily for Steve Spagnolo you know, historically, but he is a guy that does create some issues you got to pay attention to. They added a lot of receivers. You know, Sammy Watkins is there now. Hollywood Brown, if he's still healthy in week two, that's a big if. I understand that. Rashad Bateman. Like, they, they've got a lot of guys for Lamar Jackson to throw the ball to, and they've still got those excellent tight ends that they just keep stockpiling and stockpiling. The question's going to be on defense. Can they put together a passable enough pass rush to really affect the AFC? Like, that's the major, major question. Because on the back end, they've got good secondary players. They've got some good linebackers. I will say it. They've got good linebackers. I can't wait for Maddie <laughs> to come in and just tell me how wrong I am. But I do like their linebacking core as a young linebacking core. I just think that it's going to be the pass rush as it has been now for years for this organization. But I, I don't know that they really did enough to address it this offseason. The Ravens are an interesting spot because they've had to completely rework their offensive line. I think losing Marshall Yonda last season to retirement really hurt them a ton. Mm. And then obviously losing Ronnie Stanley later on really threw kind of a wrench into their plan. But so now you're getting a better right guard, bringing in Kevin Zeitler, but you're also bringing in a guy that was playing left tackle and Alejandro Villanueva to play next to him. Those guys haven't played next to each other for a while. The other interior spot spots weren't great last year. So like, there's a lot of guys, whether there's some talent on this offensive line or not, there's a lot of guys that are going to have to learn to gel, going to have to learn to play with each other in a rather unique offense. It's not going to be as straightforward as what they've been doing. These guys have been doing with other teams. So there might be a little bit of a learning curve there. And that's even and having to rely on Lamar to get the ball to his weapons, which he can do at times. Other times, he's very much struggled to do so. So the weapons can be as good as they want if he can't get them the ball, whether he doesn't have time or by his own ability. That's going to be one issue. And then the flip side, yeah, the Ravens have been a huge blitzing team over the last couple seasons to create pressure, but they don't have anyone to win one-on-one -on -one right now to get to generate pressure. Like lose Judon was never a good one-on-one -on -one pass rusher, but he mm -hmm. was still the best option. Now you're relying on an aging Calais Campbell who hasn't been an excellent pass rusher in a couple seasons. That's it. That's your one-on-one -on -one threat. Yes, they have a rookie, but he's going to need some time to develop. I know someone's going to bomb in with Jason Owa, but he's going to need some time to get accustomed to the NFL game. So I see some holes on both sides of this roster. I think this team is worse than last year's team. I don't think I, I think they've taken a step back. Um, and well, do you th are, do you think that that's a week one worse or like than week one of last year? You know, maybe including the Ronnie Stanley. Or are you talking about the team that was actually in the playoffs? Last yeah, year? no, we can we can. I'm, I'm going to say week one. I'm going to say okay. week one, even with Ronnie Stanley back in the mix. I think this team is worse. I think that there's a lot of things that on paper look like they could potentially, you know, there, there's some in very, there's a ton of intrigue at the receiver spot. Now Lamar has to rise to the occasion and these guys have to develop better than they have. And some of the complex, the, the concepts need to get maybe a little bit more complicated and more diverse. There's a lot that needs to be unpacked there. So on paper, I think some of these things make sense for the receiving core. And I think there's some things and some guys to be excited and someone will rise to the top. I'm sure. But I look at this group and like, like Maddie said, pass rush, 
I'm excited about Jason Owa, but I don't know if I'm excited about Jason Owa year one. I'm I'm looking at you know some of the additions that they've really made. I don't think they're gonna have a, they're gonna have a hard time generating pressure. They're gonna have to lead the NFL in blitzes uh, blitz percentage this year again, and I think there's just a lot of unproven players on this roster. I think on paper it makes sense. I think you know losing Orlando Brown uh, feels like it could be a pretty big loss. Kevin Zeitler being in the mix is pretty. It, it's I think that'll be it. I think that'll prove to be a really quality value add. But I don't I don't know I don't love the roster construction. And I'm kind of fascinated at how it's all going to play out. And if, if Lamar is going to elevate some of those guys, quality of the staff, Maddie, what you think? It's essentially the same staff. that has been there for a couple of years, which has been a good staff. I know Greg Romans got under a lot of scrutiny these last, most specifically last year, because his offense wasn't taking advantage of something like maybe hear me out maybe the offense that worked the year before stopped working as well because the opposition got the film on it and then attacked <laughs> the weaknesses of it maybe that no. is why greg roman's offense didn't look as good no. yes there's some stuff that he can do and i imagine you will see some new wrinkles this year but let's not pretend like everybody going into last year's games the ravens didn't know what their strengths were and what their weaknesses were and how to make them play to the weaknesses you can't put that all on greg roman when you're operating that style with that style of quarterback i'll let craig talk about don martindale across from him you know i'll just stick to my saving of greg roman yeah i and I was going to defend Greg Roman if you didn't. So I'm I'm glad that I don't that I don't have to. The, man, the man's really good at what he does. Don Martindale is also amazing <laughs> at what he does. Don Martindale is a ballsier Steve Spagnolo, and that is saying something. Like Don Martindale will throw everything at an offense. Like you, you listen to these guys talk about going up against the Ravens defense, like nothing is off the table they're throwing the entire kitchen sink four of them at there they went to a bathroom a public bathroom took all the kitchen sinks off and are throwing them at you as an offense it's really hard to play against him because he is so unpredictable he has the horses to blitz from that second level with patrick queen with malik harrison like they've got really quality players that can come from everywhere and that know how to play together in the secondary to help cover up when they do have to go cover zero, when they have to do some of these exotic shifts and stuff like that and rotations in the secondary. They're just a really well-coached team, and we've seen that time and time again. Yes, they are beatable. We have seen the Chiefs get after them a few times, but it's not because the Chiefs really you know, overpowered them with anything special or anything like that. They had to get out their big playbook. Like they had to really go above and beyond to beat this Don Martindale team. So just a really, really quality staff with those two guys alone. And Chris Horton is a good special teams coordinator as well. So, I mean, I think that they've just got a really top to bottom good staff. I think Andy actually does a really good job against, uh, against teams that want to play as aggressive as the Ravens do. Um, he loves to play off of instinct and tendency, and he's got such a good pacing. He will speed you up when he wants you to play fast and he'll slow you down when he wants you to think a little bit longer and stuff like that. And that's why so the, the, the timing at which he operates with a lot of his play calling. And, and I think it really manifests itself sometimes against the Ravens, two things. I think the Ravens, I think Wink Martindale and his, you know, his, uh, his defense, it can be capped out against elite quarterbacks. 
at times. If you can, if you can beat pressure, if you can beat these exotic blitzes and you are calm enough and capable enough to beat them, that's when you've got problems. And granted, his secondary holds up pretty well because he's got a lot of really quality talent last out there in the back end. But um, I think that's where he can. I think that's. I think that's what sometimes will get him in trouble. You know, uh, and Patrick Mahomes has yet to lose to Wink Martindale. Uh, I think <laughs> I think that says something. All right, new addition to the roster. Let's talk about one, Craig. What do you got? Everybody's going to be focused on Jason Owa, and for good reason. Like, he's got the highest ceiling of arguably any pass rusher that came out of this draft. But a guy that we were really high on that is also probably going to get a chance to really try and make an impact as a rookie is Dalen Hayes. He's a guy that we really loved at the Senior Bowl. We, he really showed his ability to work and adapt to various things. Like, he did linebacker drills in the second day of the Senior Bowl after doing edge drills the day before, after rushing from the inside as well. So he really put in the work to try and complete his game as much as possible. Now, he went in round five. He's not going to be the most bursty guy. He's not going to really win with traits, but he's going to win with technique and work ethic. If anybody's going to soak up things and get on the field quickly, not to say that Jason Owa won't, but if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Dalen Hayes. So I'm not going to be surprised if Dalen Hayes actually gets on the field ample snaps as a rookie just because he can do a little bit of everything. He's going to play very assignment sound. So if I, there's a guy that's really going to contribute in a way that kind of raises some eyebrows and surprises as a rusher in this defense, I think it's Dalen Hayes if it's anybody on this team. I'm going to take a very bad answer and go with the entire wide receiver group of additions that they have added to this roster. Yeah. That includes Sammy Watkins, drafting Rashad Bateman, drafting Tylen Wallace. Like they brought in three guys with significant they used significant value to get these guys. They drafted Bateman in the first round. They drafted Wallace in round 4. They paid Watkins enough money to say, "Hey, you're going to be here to compete." And they're adding them to a group that already has Marquise Brown, third round draft pick Miles Boykin, third round draft pick Devin Duvernay. Like they had guys already that you would hope they felt good about. And they went and added essentially an entire starting lineup of wide receivers. I'm interested to see who kind of pokes their head above the rest, who earns the most reps, who takes over once Watkins inevitably gets injured a little bit who earns playing time before that. Just what's their plan with the wide receiver room? Are they anticipating moving on from some of their younger guys that haven't panned out? There's a lot of moving parts in this wide receiver room, and they made a lot of additions to it. Thank you so much for just cornering the entire wide receiver room. Like, that's it. a move you do if you go last. Thanks a lot, Maddie. I, I guess I have to go with Kevin Zeitler. <laughs> <laughs> You knew Maddie was going to talk about Tylen Wallace. You I, had to I, know that. Yeah, you were I was betting on it. Him. I was ready to talk about Sam. I was ready to talk a little bit about Bateman. That's okay. Uh, talk about Sean Wade. Not. I don't really want to do that. Uh, do you want to talk about Sean Wade? <laughs> do you want me to? <laughs> no, I really don't. But I can talk. I, you know what? I can talk about Kevin Zeiler. Uh, this is a move that the Baltimore Ravens do a lot. Is they go after veterans that don't count against the compensatory formula. They're one of the teams that very much values these swings on uh, on players in the back end 
uh, or on day three, you know, the back end of the draft, day three of the draft, they're looking to, you know, try to add uh, more, more bodies. And this is a way for them to add a free agent without counting against the compensatory formula. They brought in a guy that has a lot of quality football left ahead of him still, I think. Uh, Kevin Zeitler is a good football player. Uh, he, I think he's, you know, he maybe hasn't, didn't have the best, obviously didn't have the best, uh, stretch with the giants, but there's, there's still a lot of good tape, not too far from memory. And, uh, I think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense in this offense and uh, a very capable quality interior presence when they've kind of had a little bit more of a roster shakeup. This line is kind of sneakily turned over a little bit. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating to watch this iteration of it uh, because I do think the line has been such a critical piece to what the Ravens have tried to do over the last few years. And now Zeitler, Alejandro Villanueva are in the mix over there on the right side. Maybe I should have just taken the entire offensive line group like Matt did. All right, players to watch. And I I, I really want to go – I really want to go with uh, – with Lamar, but I'm not going to because, like, again, it's just you know, of course, it's Lamar. But you know, I'm really fascinated to see what Sammy Watkins' role is week one. This is it's more just a fascination with how he left here in Kansas City, really not doing much of anything in the playoffs, not really being able to play for the entirety of the playoffs. Uh, kind of a down note year. We were all really excited to see playoff Sammy. We really didn't get much of anything with it, and. You know what is what is his career arc now? What is what is what is what does week one look like for him? Did he did did he have enough juice through training camp to earn opportunities? Um, what what is his role week one? Have the young guys overtaken him? Uh, how motivated is he? Is uh, the sun shining? <laughs> is the sun shining for our lizard king? I mean, you know, there's a lot of it's Monday night football, so. I don't know. That's not looking good there. Mm. I just, you mm. know, for, for, for Sammy, it's just, I'm very fascinated where the rest of his career goes. The chiefs moved on. He went to Baltimore. What does week one look like for him? Uh, how does he respond to not being in Kansas city? All this, it's, it's just a fascinating story from someone who very much appreciates what he did for this organization for the last you know few years. I mean, playoffs, Sammy was a thing because he was exceptional. The first two playoffs he was a part of here. Mine is going to be Tyus Bowser. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm a little concerned with what the Ravens are doing at their pass rush position. <laughs> Tyus Bowser was a guy that they drafted a couple of years ago. I, he really hasn't panned out. He he has not really added too much of that room and a group that really needed some more. Last year, he had 22 pressures and he had just two sacks. The year before, he had five sacks and 14 pressures. I mean, that's the five sacks is good. The 14 pressures is not good. He's really got to step up. What they needed to do is add a veteran presence to that room. They need somebody that they can fall back on and have a quality year from in order to bring guys like Jason Oa and Dalen Hayes along. So Tyus Bowser is going to get first crack at that. He is currently keeping Jalen Ferguson at arm's length and those very long arms that <laughs> run an 8083 cone. I just, you know, he, I think he's got the capability to transition and become the guy because he's going to get every opportunity to do it ahead of those rookies. The big season is on him this year if they want to go places. All right, I'm going to one-up my Maddie answer and go with the entire defensive unit. 
No, I rode with uh, Deshaun Elliott, the safety. He kind of, I loved him coming out of Texas and subpar athletic testing kind of hurt his draft stock a little bit. He had a slower start catching on the NFL. He ends up in Baltimore. Earl Thomas does Earl Thomas things and ends up out the door. <laughs> and Deshaun Elliott takes over and he quietly had a really good year last year. He made a lot of plays. He's not your typical Earl Thomas-like free safety or center fielder. He's not the rangiest guy. He's got pretty good instincts and coverage, but he makes a lot of plays coming downhill, playing aggressive from that deep post spot. And I think he had a really good first season getting significant playing time. He's at the point where if he takes another step, he could edge his way onto one of those, you know, top 10 safety safety rankings Mm -hmm. in the middle of June or something like that. He's like right on the cusp of that with another big step. And I think he's going to be in a situation where he could take advantage of the extra blitzing opportunities. The Ravens are going to have to do so that Tyus Bowser can create some pressure for them. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you so much. All right. So back to the questions here. We're going to lead with Kent. Kent, same questions. You've had time to think about these things now. I didn't surprise you. I didn't think about them at all. <laughs> That's good to know. Good to know that I, this that is a professional podcast. We're staying consistent with our professionalism. <laughs> what can the Ravens do to beat the Chiefs in week two? I think they control the the game. They control the pace of the game. They control how the game is played and dictate it to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think, I don't. You know, we talk about time of possession. I think time of possession is stupid. I think controlling how the game is played is something that very much can be done. Dictating the tempo, dicta- dictating the number of possessions, and dictating um, the style which this game is played. If they get out ahead and put some pressure on the Chiefs, that could you know that could get kind of you know dicey late. You know, uh, the the Chiefs, I think that the Ravens are on a team you want to play from behind. So if they get out ahead and they control the game, they control the games played. That's how the Ravens win that game. I think they have to hope the Chiefs come out flat footed and complacent. I've said this for years. I think the Ravens match up incredibly poorly against the Chiefs. And I think this season it's even more so. Their offensive line isn't going to big boy up on the Chiefs front seven. If the Chiefs need to put out their run stoppers right now, they can put out a really good run-stopping front seven. Yeah. Baltimore is going to have to just reach deep into their bag of tricks and turn it into a shootout, I think, to score enough points to outscore the Chiefs, and that's right in the Chiefs' wheelhouse. I just simply think the Ravens match up just awful with the Chiefs. Defensively, no pass rush without bringing extra pressure. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes eat that up. The Ravens' secondary, their cornerbacks are good, but you can't cover guys for four or five seconds against this team with this offensive scheme. The worst matchup in the league for the Ravens, hands down, and everybody always wants to talk about time of possession, grinding out the run game. It will just never work against this Chiefs team, and especially this year with this Ravens team. Okay, Chiefs player not named Mahomes that will be the MVP of the Browns game. Maddie, you mean the Ravens be, game? The Ra- the Ravens game. Week two. Let me. Chiefs player not named Mahomes <laughs> that will be the MVP of the Ravens game. Week two. Maddie, go. The same guy it is every time. It's not Patrick Mahomes. It's Travis Kelsey because he <laughs> uncovered. I, if I was to give, if I say Travis Kelsey all season, aren't can you? we go? Can we go seventeen straight games of of Maddie just picking Travis Kelsey? <laughs> I'll work him in the answer every single time. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't know where we're going from here now. I, I don't know whose turn it is. I'm it's now still lost. your turn. Do you have more analysis? 
Yeah, no, uh, the Ravens can't cover Travis Kelsey just like the 31 other teams in the NFL. So therefore, anytime Patrick Mahomes isn't the MVP, he is rightfully going to be the answer. But I would also lean towards Frank Clark, who has had relatively good games against the Ravens in the past, containing Lamar Jackson and generating pressure against the Ravens, working one-on-one with whatever offensive tackle. I, I'm i going to go with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And... And Andy Reid has done had some nice nice play calls, especially in the deep red, getting their running back, you know, involved with some of those man beaters and getting them lost out the backside of a formation. I think Clyde Edwards Alaire is a guy that could be primed to eat, especially early in the year, uh, as teams are trying to figure out what the Chiefs are up to, probably playing off and soft and scared and you know, playing with these ladder boxes. I think Clyde could eat early on. And I think this could be a game where Clyde could really have a lot of success in the passing game uh, with some of the man concepts to help get him out. I think, I think, I think Clyde had decent success in a couple of man games where some teams try to man the chiefs up a little bit more than they're used to. And this could be one of those games where the Ravens are doing that and Clyde's getting lost. Clyde's getting snuck out the backside of a formation and, and, and having a lot of success in the passing game. Well, Sorry, Kent, but since Maddie picked a defensive player secondarily to Kelsey, he wins that round. You're just trying know. to make him feel better because he lost round no. one. No, I see how no. it is. I'm not competing in a questionnaire. This is not a sanctioned game. The youthful Regis didn't sign off on this. This is definitely below the table. This is un- no. I I am not participating in a game here. I am filling out a questionnaire. <laughs> Oh, is that is that the standard by which we're operating here? Because youthful Regis didn't ask the question. Educate mm-hmm. <laughs> the deck's right. always stacked against me with youthful Regis. So at least listen, we you got to you got you got to run it up the flagpole. Okay, I well, okay. Since you guys tied, I'm just going to award myself the victory anyway. So <laughs> that'll do it. That's a very that's a very youthful Regis move by you. Extremely youthful Regis by you. I mean, Craig Stout does win at most things that he does okay. partake yeah. in life. I so I, this makes sense. Shut it down, buddy. Let's <laughs> shut this down. That's it for this episode of the Casey Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. Member FDIC, thank you so much to them for everything that they're doing. Go to uh, kcsn.substack.com. Subscribe to everything going on here with KC Sports Network. Thank you guys so much. We will catch you later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.